give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 63 of Metallicast, the Metallica podcast. I'm your host and fellow Metallica fan. My name is Brandon. On this episode, I am joined once again by music journalist extraordinaire, Mr. Richard S. He he has been on the podcast many times, but uh, most recently last week when we did a chronological look at the history of Metallica at the Grammy Awards. We went through all the performances, nominations, and wins. So I thought it'd be fun to do a kind of sequel to that episode. So in this one, Richard and I are going to name our top three Metallica award show performances. And please let us know what you think are some of the best award show performances from Metallica or maybe from other metal and rock bands throughout the years. You can let me know on social media at Metallica's Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Mr. Richard S. He, naming our top three Metallica award show performances. So fucking what? My guest today is the same as last week's and many episodes before that. He is, well, I give the same introduction every single time, music journalist, um, Saint Anger fan. I mean, the list goes on and on. You know, if, if you've at all listened to Metallicast before, you know the drill. You know who I'm speaking of. The man who was on, like I said, just last week, talking about Metallica at the Grammy Awards, Mr. Richard S. He Richard, how's it going, buddy? Keep me away. I'm pretty good. <laughs> you know, I try to have, um, you know, I, I really did not want you on last week. <laughs> and I really tried to fight having you on two weeks in a row. But, um, you know, I, I had a given. I had to give in. And uh, quite frankly, nobody else was answering my call. So thank you, Richard, for answering my call. <laughs> my pleasure, as <laughs> always. I have um, a St. Anger-related thing to bring up. I mean, I always do, but this time I actually do. <laughs> so are you aware of a little YouTuber called Todd in the Shadows? I am not. He's a pretty like famous uh i guess a pop music analyst okay he does like a lot of lists of like best and worst songs on the charts that kind of thing but he also has a series called um train records like train wreck records yes yes about, i like it uh yeah historically bad uh albums but he just dropped an episode on san anger mm. 25 minutes i've been told that there is no new information for certain diehard fans mm-hmm. like ourselves, but right. also it is out there. So if you do want to do a, a semi deep dive <laughs> on YouTube, 
<laughs> and maybe get madly ang- in anger with someone else. It's there. <laughs> I I mean I will still check it out for sure because yeah. you know Metallica, Saint Anger. What is not to love? Definitely their well, most popular record of all time. <laughs> I don't even know if he's that much of a Metallica fan, so we'll see. Yeah, that would actually it would actually be more interesting to me if he was not a big Metallica fan, kind of coming at it from like an outside perspective, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that must I mean, it's if it's a weird record for Metallica fans and metal fans in general, it has to be a really weird record if you're kind of an outsider of the genre. For sure. Or maybe, yeah. or maybe you kind, or maybe not. Maybe you kind of accept its weirdness more easily because you're not as familiar with the genre. I'm not sure. I guess it could go either way. I think it depends how into that specific kind of experimentation you are. I guess. Right. Yeah. Like probably same with Lulu. Like n- nothing can really predict what your response will be <laughs> to actually hearing it. That is 100 percent true (laughs) but that is a future episode i know everybody's dying for the big lulu episode (laughs) it will happen one day oh it will happen yeah lou reed cast and metallicast yeah yeah i i in all seriousness i have looked for a lou reed podcast because i think it would be really fascinating to find like a big lou reed nerd Mm. combine combine that person with me a big metallica nerd and discuss that album because i've never really heard lou reed fans talk about that record and i know they must have an opinion on it good bad or indifferent so if you know of a lou reed podcast because i do not know of one but if you're listening to this one and you happen to know of one or you want to start one hit me up at metallica pod on facebook twitter and instagram and we shall discuss. <laughs> You'll go on The View and sit at the table and promote it. <laughs> exactly. But in all seriousness, uh, I yes. was... Seriousness. Yes, but this is a very serious <laughs> podcast. Um, there will be, especially this episode, I, I have to uh, be extra serious. Uh, there will be no day Mustaine impressions. Ow! Oh, oops. I guess I too late for that. Um, but in all seriousness, I loved having you on last week talking about Metallica at the Grammy Awards. We did a chronological look from 1989, their first nomination, their first performance, all the way to present day. We went through all four performances, all the wins, all the nominations, all the different confusing categories that exist out there in Grammy land. And I said, hey. Mr. Richard S. He, you should come back on Metallicast next week because we can do all the other award shows. But, you know, there's a lot out there. So let's narrow it down. Let's choose what yeah. we think are the best three award show performances by Metallica. Now, let me go on the record as to say that. We did not include the Grammy Award performances in this because we felt like we did that episode. Literally, we did that episode last week. So we did not include the Grammy Award performances in this. And we both agreed to leave the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame performance out of this. 
because I feel like that's its separate thing. And I also did a separate episode about that all the way back in episode two. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> all the way back in episode You know what is funny is mm. that I cannot remember like what I did three episodes ago. But I remember <laughs> like the first like 20 episodes so well. For sure. Yeah. Crystal clear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is so weird but yeah. back in episode two i recorded a, a solo episode which you know richard loves the elusive solo episode. yes yeah. the elusive solo the elusive episode Brandon. and uh recorded my thoughts opinions and my experience of attending the rock and roll hall of fame so if you're interested in that i would travel back in time all those years ago when i was just an inexperienced podcast. Now I'm a semi-experienced podcaster. <laughs> so now you're a podcast dad. <laughs> yes. And if I'm this mediocre now, you can imagine <laughs> how great I was in episode two. So please go back and check it out, folks. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, give a positive review for the uh the production values and all that. Yeah, Tommy Trink. You can't see this, but Brandon is speaking into two different microphones. It's just a great visual. <laughs> true story. This is a true story. This is a Metallicast exclusive. I yeah. went from no microphone on those early episodes <laughs> to having two microphones. You're like the Steve Vai of podcasts. <laughs> you should see the wall of marshals I have behind me, too. Oh, wow. My neighbors are getting my voice full blast right now. It's what makes your voice sound so rich and bassy and resonant. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but, you know, there are a lot of award shows out there. Um, mm. There are a lot of different performances to choose from. But we did not include Grammy Awards or Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There is one other one that I personally left off my list. I'm not sure it's included in yours. So I'm really interested to see or to see. I'm really interested to hear. This is an audio podcast. See, this is yeah. how much of a podcast professional I am. I understand the difference between <laughs> audio and visual. I'm really interested to hear what you chose. For all we have no clue what each other chose. For all we know, we chose the exact same three performances. <laughs> um and there will be it's zero differences. Possible. Um, yeah. I mean, they're cut the podcast time in half. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. For once, maybe we can get a uh, Richard as he guest appearance to be under ninety minutes. <laughs> we'll do it again in that sense. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I that that was the only one that was under ninety minutes. I think was when we recorded. We did it again, but that was supposed to be like a fifteen minute mini episode that ended oh, up being. True. 45 minutes so <laughs> we cannot even get the mini episode right <laughs> all right without further ado well i do want to take a moment uh, uh, i with, do with further ado <laughs> i do want to take a moment because d let's just take like a look we're, we're definitely not going to read through all these but let's just take a look at some of the other awards outside of the Grammy Awards, the Metallica has been nominated and in some cases won. It, it is quite varied. I feel like in the late 90s, early 2000s, everybody felt like they had to have a televised award show. Mm. Yeah. Like every channel, every brand, 
some of them are still around. Some of them have faded into obscurity. Of course, there's the bigger ones like American Music Awards and Billboard Music yeah. Awards. But then there are some that are just like the what? Huh? What 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 is this? I think it's something to do with like the televised ones. Maybe it's something to do with Generation X and the uh, view of them as the MTV generation and award shows mean you can sell expensive ad space. Yeah. Lifestyle brands for cool people with skater shoes and flannels right kind of thing you know (laughs) and i think maybe and i think channel i think tv channels have become uh more uh interested and at times desperate for like live content and it's hard to get like quality live content especially if it's you know not a lot of sports are in session and stuff like that so award shows can easily fill that hole for a channel hmm and I will say that actually after watching this year's Grammys, they were probably like one of the best ever, I want to say. The um, the presenters and everything just kind of got out of the way, let the performers, you know, speak for themselves. Actually, it was almost all performances. So that's kind of like what you want. Yeah. You know, just a spotlight to shine on the artists, ideally. I mean, let's be honest. Even though it's an award show, when it comes to music, the awards are secondary to what everybody actually wants to see. If it's music's yeah. biggest night, then make music the big focus of the night. Exactly. You know, like, it, nobody's going to be... Well, let me not say nobody. Very few people are going to be talking about who won what award, especially outside of, like, the big three. But mm. if you give a memorable performance, people will be talking about that the next day. Exactly. Like whether you make a first impression as a new artist or you're coming back and rewriting the narrative somehow later in your career. Right. That kind of thing. Yeah. So just a rundown of some of these awards that Metallica have been nominated for. We have Artist Direct Online Music Awards. You remember Artist Direct? I do. I think they might still be around. Really? As a website. Well, that is very interesting to me i've not heard artist direct mentioned in quite a number of years um they are barely around barely around they are they like myspace basically now (laughs) um it's i mean it's like any other basic music news website pretty much yeah press releases you know yeah 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 one of those we have the spike guys choice awards from spike tv i i need to read out what some of the artists direct what's worse so <laughs> snm won in 2000 the award for favorite turn it up loud cd oh yeah very prestigious <laughs> very prestigious and metallica also won most talked about artists hopefully in a positive lens though maybe not during that time period (laughs) yeah favorite group best fan website which which one i don't know and best official website which they were always ahead of their time in that department yeah 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 gotta give them that best fan website but it doesn't list the website they were uh they were 21 years early from metallicast and i was gonna say is all right if artist direct is barely around are these are they still barely giving out online music awards? Because let's do favorite Ooh. fan 
podcast. I will start the campaign right now to get an artist direct Metallica fan podcast award. Cause I just learned that they're still around and in existence. And if that does not earn me an award, I'm not sure what will. <laughs> I am. Um, I'm finding a lot of results for the first artist direct <laughs> music awards, which implies that there was, not was the last. <laughs> yeah. Good on them. I mean, I don't even know if they had a broadcast or anything. So yeah, I mean, probably not. I also like uh, how, uh, you know, Metallica has received a number of nominations and wins for the California Music Awards. And I just feel uh, like that's like a little bit unfair when you have like local bands up against a national juggernaut like Metallica. Like I remember growing up in New England, we had the Boston Music Awards. And it's like, well, I feel bad for any category. Somebody locals up against Aerosmith technically a local band but i mean come on now very strange yeah bammies became the california music awards at some point oh okay the bammies and then i'm not gonna be able to find like any information about this stuff so (laughs) yeah and then every magazine of course has to have their yearly awards some of which are still around of course like revolver and kerrang and but some, you know, R.I.P. Metal Edge. I used to love Metal Edge back in the day. No mm. longer around, as best I know. We have the iHeart Radio Music Awards and the Independent Spirit Awards, the Echo Music Prize. I've never heard of Echo Music Prize. Not all these are American either. So, yeah, some of them are foreign, which is maybe why I'm not familiar with all of them. But just MTV alone, we have. MTV Video Music Awards, MTV Europe Music Awards, MTV Video Music Awards Japan, MTV Video Music mm. Brazil. Nominated The Unnamed Feeling for Best International Video. Cool. Which one is that for? Uh, MTV Brazil. Nice. I think one of the more interesting ones is the Polar Music Prize. Was literally Sweden. just going to say that, yes. Yeah. Have you talked about that on the show before i've i mentioned it uh back in the day when it was happening the polar music prize is a pretty big deal in terms as far as music awards go i would say Mm. like i feel like it has a good amount of recognition and prestige behind it um do you want to explain a little bit what it is for the Uh. listeners at home (laughs) it's an annual thing so in sweden they have a ceremony and they award apparently one contemporary and one classical musician every year yeah um but it basically awards like musical excellence i would say which is often like songwriting like sometimes performance sometimes historical significance yeah um and it's not restricted to sweden so in 2018 you have metallica um Here's the description. Uh, Not since Wagner's emotional turmoil and Tchaikovsky's canons has anyone created music that is so physical and furious, yet so accessible. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) And um, they also awarded the Afghanistan National Institute of Music and Ahmad Samast. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, when you look at the list of winners, it's a pretty eclectic and impressive list um if we're just looking at the contemporary 
artists, right? We have Paul McCartney, Dizzy Gillespie, Quincy Jones, Elton John, Joni Mitchell, Bruce Springsteen, Ray Charles, Stevie Wonder, Bob Dylan, Burt Bacharach, B.B. Uh, King, um, Led Zeppelin, uh, Pink Floyd, Peter Gabriel, uh, Paul Simon, like kind of just goes on and on in that vein. So for Metallica to be included among all those, I think is fairly impressive. You know, it, it shows their yeah. crossover appeal. It shows their, um, you know, for them to be lumped into the same category as a Paul McCartney who won the first ever Poland Music Prize. Um, you know, I think it says something about their importance and, uh, um, you know, their ability to just cross over again outside of the world of metal. Absolutely. Yeah, especially their pure songwriting chops, which they get credit for, but, you know, could always get more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a really cool um, concert, too, because what I'm not sure if you had a chance to check out any of the performances when they happened, but basically Metallica did not perform, but they invited other artists to come uh, perform their songs. And uh, there were there was a lot of interesting interpretations because it was not... Um, a lot it wasn't just metal or rock artists that came and performed um i know that they had really the only metal related performance that i remember was inter sandman that featured uh tobias from ghost Ghost, um playing with some other guys from various metal bands um and they did a really cool creepy version of inter sandman but outside of that, it was a pretty. Uh, I'm not even sure there was a really another like rock oriented performance. So it, even if it's not your cup kind of tea, of. I think it makes like a really interesting listen just to hear those songs in a different version. I remember the No Leaf Clover one being pretty cool. Mm. Oh, actually, there must be more that I haven't seen that I have from that. But one cool one was um, Dennis Lixon of Refuse, like the great hardcore punk band and yeah. Nicky D of uh of motorhead doing whiplash oh cool i'm not sure i ever saw that one yeah very cool sounds like a future episode oh here we go again <laughs> we did it yeah. louder <laughs> yeah we did it i definitely think that is one of the more interesting unique ones on the list though um mm. And, and, and there's tons more on on there. We could, I mean, we literally could spend uh, two hours just going through all of those. And uh, I'm not sure people would be into that. Or maybe they would. Who knows? Some of people are weird and you're all nerds out there if you're listening to this. So maybe, maybe you would love it. I'm going to read out one more. So the Spike Guys Choice Awards. Yes. Guys Choice. I don't yes. know how they uh, restrict the voting in that. Yeah, they, they, was... they, they, you, you have to show your man card. <laughs> Otherwise, you cannot vote. If you do not have a penis, they, they will not let you vote. That's a, that's just a fact. And I stand by the decision. You know, I'm not sexist. I'm not misogynistic. <laughs> but it's the guys' choice awards. All right, let's keep it that way, ladies. Thank you. All of the. All of these like <laughs> award categories are just incredible. Yeah, two thousand nine. Oh yeah, I could read all of them. I I'm not going to. <laughs> There's one that's um, all right, hottest Mila Mila Kunis versus Mila Jovovich. Oh my god! Th- wait, this is still the guys' choice awards. 
Yep, 2009. Wow. See, and only uh, guys could vote for that, okay? <laughs> guy of the year, Barack Obama versus Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke won. <laughs> what? Um, let's see. Uh, <laughs> wow. Best, best Bush, Will Ferrell versus Josh Brolin. Oh, my God. Most unstoppable jock who is LeBron James. Uh, porn again. Big men on campus was Florida Gators. Oh but, okay, God. so the most important one, ballsiest band. Yes. Metallica versus Green Day. And Metallica won. Oh, wow. Poor Billy Joe Armstrong. He must have really been licking his wounds after that one. <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough loss. Imagine being the second ballsiest band. <laughs> Put that on your next album. Uh, wow. Well, you know, as you can see, the awards that they've been nominated for, that they have won, range from recognizable to really obscure. And, it, and their performances are uh, not quite that uh eclectic i guess but uh there's still a lot of performances to choose from including some from uh, a couple award shows that are no longer in existence for one reason or another so i'm really interested to hear your top three uh sh- shall we jump into it let's do it i'm gonna let you go first i, I think maybe we just trade off so like you give one i'll give cool. one yeah you get the last word as it should be. That's me pounding on this table. Because I'm <laughs> the judge and jury. And execution. executioner too. <laughs> Thank you for finishing that. <laughs> yeah. Alright. My number three is not Dirty Window from uh, San Anger. It is Enter Sandman from the 1991 MTV Physi- uh, m- Enter Sandman from the 1991 MTV Video Music Awards. There we go. All right. So, um, interesting because Sandman was released as a pre-album single in July before I was born, right before I was born. Um, And so I'm pretty sure this is the first ever televised performance of Sandman because it's in September 1991, one month after the album came out. Yeah. Also, I mixed up the years. I was alive then. (laughs) thank you very much i was about one year old um yeah i actually think it's a hell of a performance like the funny thing is it's not only much better shot than the grammys performance of the same song yeah at the grammys the for some reason the camera was like very very static and very stuck on the band whereas here it's like moving around you get crane shots you get the audience reacting. Actually, they are standing in front. They are playing in front of like a standing crowd on a proper stage. Um, but it's also like a much more comfortable performance than at the Grammys. Um, they just seem very, very, very self-assured and like they know they're on top of the world. So yeah, it's like, yeah, it's a great version of Sandman. You know, I wonder if that's because you know MTV is more, at least at that time, was more there audience then you know the grammy awards were pretty stuffy back in the day and uh you know they were really the outsiders there but you know in 
1991, you, you know, you, you, if you're Metallica, you, you're fitting in on that bill a lot better than you will the Grammy bill. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, who else was there? The performances. Van Halen did Pound Cake, CNC Music Factory, Poison, Talk Dirty to Me, Mariah Carey, EMF, Paul Abdul, Queensryche, surprising, uh, LL Cool J, then Metallica, Don Henley, Guns N' Roses, Prince. But I mean, you look at that list, it is a pretty diverse list, but you have, you know, Van Halen, you have Guns N' Roses, you have uh, Queensryche, which is surprising and awesome. Um, yeah. but you, you know, rock is well represented there. Whereas, I mean, let's compare that to the 1992 Grammy Awards who performed there. Mm. Uh, well, I, I was going to Google it, but we won't be able to find out anyway. Remember? Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe on YouTube. Sillygrammys.com. Uh, I'm looking to on the- my end. The answer is no. They will not tell us. <laughs> Wait, hold on. This is according to. Well, will it, is it on here? Oh, maybe not. I thought I was gonna find it through Wikipedia, but they just—they also just have the awards because people must have just like copy and pasted from Grammys.com. Yeah. So. Last time, the only the only ones I could find were Red Hot yeah. Chili Peppers for "Give It Away" and Peter Gabriel. Yeah, I also feel like Grammys are more. Um, industry based so maybe there was you know more maybe there's more pressure for a band like that in that moment in their career to like really execute whereas you know video music awards at least back in the day like i remember being a kid watching that and it was not that specific one just video music awards in general and it was like the wild west like you never knew what was going to happen next it was like the epitome of live television it wasn't it never came across as like a scripted thing. And there was always something memorable the next day that you'd go into school talking about. And, you know, I, I just feel like it's much easier to let your hair down. And then at the Grammy awards, at least during that time period. hundred percent. And also, um, just looking up, there was an international viewers choice segment. Yeah. Um, in Brazil, Sepultura won for Orgasmatron. Oh, nice. So my number three is from the same era. I went with the 1993 American Music Awards. Uh, Metallica performed Wherever I May Roam. Very good one. And it was a great performance. And I love that, you know, this just shows the power of the Black Album, where they're at the VMAs in 1991. They're at the Grammys in 1992. And then they're at the American Music Awards in 1993, all off the same album. <laughs> yeah. Almost two years later. Yeah. Uh, not quite. Yeah. And it is a great performance. They The song is super tight. And it was just really cool to see them perform that song during that era mm. in that setting. Because... I. You know, Inter Salmon gets played to death and to this day, never mind when it was like a, a new single, really what they were pushing. And so it was cool to see kind of like the evolution of that album cycle. And, you know, at that time, Wherever I May Roam was the latest single. And so they're pushing that. And it was just, 
really well done. It was nice to see something else besides Inter Salmon or Nothing Else Matters, which I feel like are the two go-to from that album. Uh, not that the other singles are, you know, deep cuts by any means. But um, it was also just they just had so much confidence when playing. It was just uh, it, like you were saying for the VMAs, they felt like they were on top of the world and they knew it. And uh, it it. I wrote in my notes uh, just a lot more confidence in that Grammy performance we talked about last week in 1992, where they just are owning the stage. They're owning the performance. They seem really comfortable with who they are. And it, it also kind of just shows how like part of the establishment they were, even though they were like still the oddballs. Like Gloria Estefan introduces them. And I thought it was funny. She introduces them by first name. She's like, here is James, Lars, Kirk, and Jason – Metallica and <laughs> after after saying like you know their latest album have sold six and a half a million copies worldwide which is insane that by 1993 it had already sold six and a half million copies I mean it just really puts into perspective how much the record industry music industry has changed <laughs> in 2021 <laughs> yeah. where like an album will not sell that in a single year now even if it's like the top oh, album of the year but yeah. um and I also just loved to like it's they're starting to like have that transition period. And it's like, mm. you know, Jason Newsted has his shaved head. Yep. All the rest of them are like in their typical black album look. And Lars Ulrich is just we mentioned this last week. He's just like super rock star. He's got that flowing yeah. hair. He has about 20 uh metal bracelets on his wrists he's huh. you know he's uh just all like the rock star moves behind the drum kit and it, he just looks like he's primed to like being in a arena stadium rock band for you know he like he just he looks like he's just living out his dream which i'm i which i know Absolutely. that he was and he's yeah. just loving every single moment and it just looks like he's having more fun than the other three members of the band but it's also a great performance from Hetfield uh yeah. uh vocally especially is you know it's a and I know started to notice kind of like a transition in his vocals too from like there's still like that like uh gruff roughness for the black album yeah! but he's starting to get a little bit more of the melody mixed in and stuff that we're kind of more accustomed to when he sings wherever I may roam and, you know, live in 2021. And it was just really well done. It was, it was a really impressive performance and it's my number three. Nice. It was um cool that they actually got to close out the show um, for the AMAs. Like for some reason, that's a recurring theme. Metallica yeah. closing shows. Yeah. Maybe just to give it a burst of energy or something or yeah. Well, my favorite too was that uh, another one of my favorite moments was they had uh, I believe it was Bobby Brown that came out afterwards, and he just goes, "Whoa!" <laughs> like <laughs> that was his reaction to it. And the other performances that year, um, yep. you you know, if you want to talk about diversity, we had uh, this guy named Michael Jackson. Um, we had Gloria Estefan. We had Criss Cross. Things that make you go jump 
And they were actually performing a medley, which is funny because they only had one hit. Um, They had Reba McIntyre, Vince Gill performing together, Boys to Men, Michael Bolton, Bobby Brown, Winona, Winona Judd, Bon Jovi, Billy Ray Cyrus, and Stephen Stills. I wonder if Michael Bolton likes Metallica. Because you know he was a hard rock singer. In the- oh, yeah. I, I, I'm willing to bet money that he likes Metallica. Yeah. I want to hear him cover a metal song. He, he, I mean, it it might be out there already. I'm not even sure. Yeah. He's, I'm a... Uh, I'm all I'm all for a Michael Bolton metal album though. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent on board for that. <laughs> I just scrolled past a YouTube video called Kill Switch Engage is just Michael Bolton for core kids. <laughs> and that same person's also done a mashup called Bolton Engage, How Could We Be in Heartache? <laughs> and it's and below things- that below that is a video that says Michael Bolton auditioned for Black Sabbath. watch the video to find out it's and these are the reasons why the internet exists (laughs) these are the reasons why the internet exists to answer the questions we never needed yes exactly um but in seriousness i was going to say i do love that performance i always find the um watching like uh performances from the tail end of the black album era to be a little bit bittersweet actually yeah um because that whole album cycle was such an amazing time for them. The tour, I mean, it took a long time to record the album. The tour went fucking forever. Uh, but obviously, you know, it can't last forever. Right. I love um, I love Load and Reload, but by that time, like 1996, just everything felt so different. So, yeah. Yeah. For sure. They were, I mean, the Black Album, I feel like, was the last time they felt like outsiders in that setting yeah and you know by the time load reload came out they had had so much success and were such a huge part of the music industry that they fit right in in a weird way uh, yeah. and, and, and I don't mean that them on award shows yeah at that point right and I don't mean that in a sense of like I know people are gonna say well yeah they sold out uh. I don't mean it in that way I don't mean it in like in a musical sense I mean it yeah. literally just like by that point they were part of the establishment just a fact you know I forget who said it but who said that load and reload were Metallica's U2 phase but I kind of say that as well like they were also kind of outsiders from Ireland and they were also just pop culture staples forever. Yeah. And just like a self-consciously big rock band, which you had a lot of them back in the day, but not so much anymore. So yeah. Richard, your number two. My number two is very on brand. It is the 2003 VMAs. It's Metallica's cover medley leading into frantic. Nice. So, I think this is one that I, more people will probably have seen the cover medley than the performance of Frantic, to be honest. Yeah, I, I but, to be honest, I remember the cover medley more than I remember them playing Frantic at that year. Yeah, true. So Chris Rock intros them. So they play Are You Gonna Go My Way by Lenny Kravitz. They play Smells Like Teen Spirit, which um, the, the way Lars plays it and like Larsifies it is just very yeah. funny to me because <laughs> yeah. you know those youtube uh youtube videos that are like 
uh, X song played in played by ten different drummers or whatever. And yeah. the Lars one is always like a straight up parody, just like the simplest beat possible. <laughs> he actually he actually kind of did it on this one, which I find funny. Right, but it's um <laughs> it's incredibly surreal to watch James play the main riff of Smells Like Teen Spirit. Um, yeah, I I would die for like an actual cover because what they what they played of it sounded pretty good. Yeah, then they go into Seven Nation Army and then beat it. It that I see that one did not make my top three, but I was tempted to put that one on because I think it's such a fun, unique performance. Like they never yeah. did anything before then. They've not done anything since then. The opportunity for them to do something like that again probably will not come about. And it was really fun to just hear, like you said, the Metallica's version of these classic songs that, you know, like they did Billy Jean, right? Uh, beat it beat it beat it beat it right they did beat it and then to hear them do like white stripes and it was just really fun and eclectic and a really it, it's like you were saying it's kind of hilarious because it just sounds like metallica but you yeah. recognize the songs <laughs> yeah. and um the reason they did it was because it was the 20th vmas right um Technically, not the twentieth anniversary, the nineteenth anniversary. I learned that from WrestleMania twenty-five. Um, oh, yeah. Um, so <laughs> it was very much the VMA celebrating themselves and MTV. Uh, hence, like Madonna did, like a virgin, and infamously kissed Britney at that show. So she opened it. Yeah. And Metallica closed it. Yeah. Um, two eighties icons. I would yeah. say. I do remember both of those performances. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That might have been one of the last years I actually watched the VMAs live. Oh, uh, true. Because I was um, a senior in high school, and I'm pretty sure I had not watched the VMA since high school. Other than, like, you know, a clip you might hear about or something like that. Yeah. You're not missing that much. Like, last year's was almost nothing except Lady Gaga, who just single-handedly saved it. But I anyway. I feel like nowadays, maybe this is just, like, the old man in me, but I feel like... Yeah. Nowadays, it's pretty much like a typical scripted PG award show. Am I wrong in saying that? More so. They do try to create moments. Like yeah. in 2015, Kanye uh, gave like a 20-minute speech about wanting to run for president. That kind of thing. <laughs> but yeah, it, I don't know how, how they can like manufacture those kinds of moments. You can only yeah. like give people a platform to do it if yeah, they yeah, want yeah. to, <laughs> I guess. Yeah if it's good for their career <laughs> which, speaking of which frantic so yeah chris right. rock kind of uh he sets up the cover medley and then as metallica switch guitars to detune he like re-intros them so yeah i think this is a super super solid performance of frantic um just ferocious james is wearing a cap i noticed i noted that down for some reason um, <laughs> you thought like, that was important at the moment yeah apparently <laughs> um and they have a hell of a guitar tone like i really yeah enjoy whenever they play saint anger songs like when it has a guitar tone that kind of sounds like the studio version uh -huh. rather than like their standard uh typical live tone but just detuned um but yeah it's a super fast ferocious performance what you would want from frantic 
Um, it also feels very much like they're still in the moment of that album. So unlike yeah. hearing Frantic these days where they're kind of just, you know, running through the song in a right. bit more of a d- detached way. Um, and yeah, one of the coolest parts is at the end, they just like end on guitar feedback. So that's apparently how the show goes out. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. And they say, uh, I think James says, thank you for 20 years of the VMAs. Here's the 20 more. Yeah, I remember him saying something along those lines. Yeah. Also, and I, I believe that's I the last it's... time they ever appeared on a VMA, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> I mean, they, that's something like the I see. Here's the thing: I feel like, yeah. like Bruce Springsteen. I remember being on a VMA around that time period. Might have right. even been the 2003 say, one or something like that. I would say the year before, probably for the Rising. But yeah, that sounds right. And but like, I just feel like. You're like the way MTV is now is that they're not going to bring like a an older act like a Metallica mm. back in 2021. Yeah. I mean, it is ironic because they're presenting Metallica as like an iconic artist of the the MTV era in the yeah. 80s which I mean, they weren't doing videos then. <laughs> yeah. But I remember reading though that they were I think they like 1992 like that when you know above nirvana above pearl jam like they were the most played band on mtv like in that year yeah if if i remember correctly that would not surprise me yeah um but also uh it's two years until we hit the 40th anniversary of the vmas oh wow (laughs) time is time marches on (laughs) Maybe they'll do something like that for the 40th. I mean, how do you ignore 40 years of it? Mm. You know? Yeah. Who's I just got really around? deep there. How do you ignore 40 years of music videos, man? When you don't <laughs> even play music videos anymore, man. Yeah. I remember seeing something online. It was like MTV celebrating 40 years in 14 years of music videos or something like that. Yeah. I mean, accurate. People yeah. have been complaining about MTV not playing videos for longer than they played videos. Yeah. But you know what, too? Like, I, I remember, I mean, when I was a kid, they had, they would play music videos for sure, but they had a lot of content outside it. But yeah. it was, you know, because I was in that age group, it was content I largely liked like beavs and butthead and stuff like that and they had like some funny comedy things like the state and like kind of like edgier stuff but i i feel like what has happened now and again this is going to sound like an old man but they it's just a lot more catered towards like tweens and um it's a lot more like just less edgy and they also just play like real movies and like old sitcoms and stuff which is just like so weird like i remember flipping through the channels one time and like friends was on mtv and i was like this is weird (laughs) yeah i mean it's it's just a channel now they have like teen mom that's the yeah yeah yeah. thing i know for but yeah yeah well my number two Hmm. is from the 2000 vh1 my music awards this was 
an award show, obviously from VH1, that was on for only two years. The 2000 was the first year ever. And the performance stands out to me because Metallica did something unique. They played completely outside the award show venue. They were surrounded by like cars. Like it was basically, um, you know, kind of had like a fast and furious almost style setup. And if memory serves me correctly, everybody out there, at least the majority of people out there were all fan club winners. So they opted to not do a typical traditional award show performance and fans could vote for what song they performed. So they did not play a current song. They played fade to black, which I thought was really cool. And on top of all of that, this has a lot of historical significance because this was the last ever performance of Jason Newstead with Metallica. Wow. And it's funny because I do remember watching this award show live just because Metallica was on it. And I remember there were several times throughout the night where they showed Metallica, whether sitting in the audience or walking to the stage to accept an award or on, uh, you know, the carpet before the award show. And every time they showed the band, it was James, Lars and Kirk. And I remember watching thinking, where is Jason? And I rewatched um, them accepting an award in preparation for this uh, podcast. And James, Lars, and Kirk walk from the crowd up to the stage to accept the award. And then Jason just kind of walks from backstage and meets them up there. And I just right. remember thinking, like, this is weird. Like, Jason is just completely separate from the rest of the band. Now, in retrospect, it makes total sense because we know what yeah. was going on and what happened but it, i remember watching the time as a fan just being like this is really really weird but to when you go back with those new lens on it is really something to see you have to think that jason was you know either not super into the uh the vibe of the whole award thing or maybe he was already checked out by then mentally who knows I think probably all of the above. Yeah. Um, I do want to add on, you know, speaking of uh, corny awards that were given out. Mm. Um, wait, oh, hold on. I got I had it before. Let me pull it up. <laughs> these are the. Oh, I. These. This is what they were up for. Um, one was best stage spectacle. Which, okay. and But I thought it was funny who they were up against. It was like, I, I do not remember all the nominees, but they were up against basically like NSYNC, Britney Spears, um, and a few others. But they won that award, and they come up on stage, and Lars Ulrich is wearing sunglasses. He has a 5 o'clock shadow. <laughs> he, like, he looks like... He, like if you would think like if you saw him like he's either being like super rock star or he's just like really hurting right now, exactly. and <laughs> and he think and in his he, acceptance speech he looks speech, like he's an oasis yes <laughs> yeah and he's in his a Gallagher. yeah which also might have been his goal you know he's a big Gallagher yeah. oasis fan 
but in their acceptance speech you know they they won for uh s&m so they're kind of you know thanking you know the symphony and you know going through all like the usual stuff in Lars <laughs> just like he must have just been hung over and not like at all interested he goes i want to thank twiggy for manson's band for letting me puke in his bathroom and taking care of me after <laughs> <laughs> wow so let's just say this performance presaged three things it presaged yeah jason's leaving yes um it presaged metallica bringing back more old songs into the set Yes. So it's not like they were going to be doing that at any other award shows. Yep. Uh, or not like they had done that at any other award shows. Too right. Um, I mean, during also, that era, they were still, if you look at the other award shows, you know, they're still promoting S&M. They might pull out like I Disappear. Like they're playing true. all current stuff. Current songs, yeah. Yeah. And also presages James going to rehab and Lars cleaning up his act a bit, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, never see him looking that disheveled, disheveled. No, uh, I have never seen him that disheveled before or (laughs) after, like on like a stage. Like he must have just really been drowning his Jason sorrows or something. Like the the writing must have been on the wall. They, you know, it's just and it's fun to go back and with you know, like I said, with those lenses and just knowing where the band was heading, Mm. uh, like to see them in that moment in time. Like that was really. Um, I want to say the beginning of the end where I, but I knew the, I know the beginning of the end, like actually started predates that, but that's like the public viewing of the beginning of the end in retrospect. Yeah. But through it all, of course, they sound fantastic. So, oh yeah. And the, the performance is flawless. Um, it's, uh, amazing. Um, and if I, the host was, I always mispronounce his last name, John leguizamo i think leguizamo leguizamo he's the host um he's wearing a fake wig and a metallica t-shirt to introduce the band and i i the the clip i saw on youtube did not show this but i am 99.9 percent positive that when the award show was live he definitely drops the f-bomb introducing the band like here's fucking metallica or something along those lines or metallica fuck yeah or something like that but of course after the live version they've edited it all out and i've not been able to find the original version on youtube but i'm 99.9 percent positive that he does drop an f-bomb when introducing metallica (laughs) which leads me to believe he is an actual fan (laughs) totally. i also want to point out that all right so the way he introduces metallica right is um, yeah I think they fade back in from commercial or something. It looks like that. And yeah. um, you have this unrecognizable John Leguizamo in his wig and shirt hanging out of a large window. Yes. <laughs> a large open window. And then you're like, oh, okay, what the fuck's happening? Yeah. And then the camera zooms out like, ooh, shows that he's like five stories up <laughs> in a fucking church. Yeah. And then switches to Metallica below him. So it's like, it's wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a really weird, unique performance. What a choice. So I'm really interested to hear your number one. I know what my number one is, obviously. I I kind of feel like this is where we're going to cross over, but I don't have any reason to believe that other than a 
gut feeling. I also have a feeling. All right. It is Billboard Music Awards 1999 until it sleeps. Not mine. Really? Interesting. No, not mine. But you've seen this one? Yes. Yes. All right. This, this is a fascinating one because I had no idea this performance existed. Um, I'll so be honest with you, though. I, I've seen it before, but even when doing research for this episode, it did not pop up and I've forgotten about it and I did not rewatch it for this episode. Yeah, right. It, yeah, it's amazing that I hadn't heard about it because, yeah, S&M happened in April 1999. So this was broadcast in December. Um, so it's essentially a restaging of S&M. Right, but instead yeah. of the San Francisco Symphony, they have apparently the Orchestra of St. Luke's in New York. Uh, Michael Kamen is conducting. Yeah. Um, but what they've done is instead of having the band, you know, on a stage in front of a traditional orchestra setup, they're playing in the round. So right, the band yeah, is I in the center that. of the orchestra, and there are all these like light, uh, light tubes and like it feels like mirrors around them or something like that. So uh-huh. in that way, it's almost like a predecessor to. Not just S and M too, but like them playing in the round for a lot of the two thousands. Yeah, um, it's so funny because I remember this performance as you're talking about it, and yeah. it completely escapes my memory. And when I was digging through the internet, for some reason, this one still escapes me. I almost, yeah, I almost miss it. Um, to me, I love it because it feels like something that no one else could perform, uh, could pull off at an awards show. Right. Like, I would say it's every bit as good as the SNM performance. Um, and also, yeah, it's for a song that had been out since 1996, but you know, yeah. they made it feel vital, made it feel new. Um, yeah, ton of energy. The chemistry is just off the charts, I think. And because it's in such a such an enclosed space, it feels like they're vibing off each other as much if not more even awesome i i gotta go back and check it out because it's been years since i've watched that wow um so yeah just looking at the show as well so this is the same year that britney debuted there's um red hot chili peppers performed with snoop dogg i think oh there's not a lot of information about the actual performers yeah um nominees nominees were metallica nominated okay here we go here's a fun one so they won they won top catalog artist of the year and album of the year uh for the black album because being billboard it is it was about sales right in some way yeah because i'm not sure if they're given subjectively or just like who sells the most i think it's a bit of both I always was led to believe it was like a bit of both. Like the nominations were led by sales, but I feel like the actual winners were a little bit subjective. True. All right. So top rock artist of the year, 1999. Metallica, Lenny Kravitz, Collective Soul, and Creed. Can you guess who won? I... Of course, I want to say Metallica, but I bet you it was Collective Soul. <laughs> it was Creed. <laughs> that also does not surprise me, though, for that era. <laughs> not at all. Um, oh, the other fun thing about this award show is um, James and Lars come out to present Artists of the Year. 
Yeah. And um, James is doing a lot of funny voices. So um, <laughs> when he pulls out the envelope, he's like, "Ooh, it's the the award goes to the cute and sexy Backstreet Boys." <laughs> <laughs> so he's having a good time. Awesome. So I really thought we were going to have the same number one. My number one. The 1996 MTV Europe Music Awards. Ooh. Do you know the story behind this? Maybe. Let me pull it up. So Go on. here is the story for anybody listening who does not know. Metallica were scheduled to perform King Nothing at the awards show. Uh, they were yeah, yeah. told, I believe the day of the awards show, like after dress rehearsals or during dress rehearsals or whatever the case may be, they were not allowed to use pyro. And they were not allowed to swear. And this just annoyed Metallica. So instead of playing King Nothing, unbeknownst to anybody but the four band members, they came up on stage and they played Last Caress followed by So What. (laughs) I did watch this and I was like, there's got to be something here. But I was not thinking too critically about it at the time. (laughs) So this is... So just to give uh, this, I have, I have several nuggets of info here. Um, this is taken from, if you look up the 1996 MTV, MTV Europe Music Awards on Wikipedia, this is what's written. The 1996 MTV Europe Music Awards ceremony was hosted by former Take That member Robbie Williams and held at Alexandra Palace in London, England on the 14th of November, 1996. One special note was that MTV executives notified the band Metallica that expletives were prohibited during their live TV during their live TV performance, and they were not allowed to use pyro. The band was upset by this, so the band disregarded performing their scheduled single "King Nothing" and played the non-TV friendly songs "Last Caress" and "So What," songs that contained numerous expletives and reference rape, murder, and bestiality, respectively. <laughs> the result was the performance. And any references to Metallica during the ceremony have been removed from future broadcasts of the ceremony. They were banned by MTV Europe, um, at least from any future award shows. This is an article from MTV.com, December 1st, 1996. Metallica have one thing to say to the folks who organized this year's MTV Europe Awards. Fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) It seems the band's performance of a cover of the Anti-Nowhere League, So What?, which contains a few of George Carlin's famous Things You Can't Say on TV on the November 14th broadcast, didn't sit well with the MTV Europe folks, so they edited the performance and all references to the band out of all future broadcasts of the show. According to a statement released by Elektra Entertainment, the company Metallica record for, the Flaxen did around two impromptu songs Metallica unleashed on the audience at London's Alexandria Palace including the ANL song and the and a cover of the Misfits Last Caress. Now this cover this article's cut off and it says click continue to read below, but that's not an option because the article's so old. Um, yeah. so it says singer James Heffield responded dot 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 and I'm assuming he responded with fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> that and is then, just incredible. And then there's a lot of articles out there, but I also found this one. This is from bloodydisgusting.com this is from 2016 it says 20 years ago today Metallica trolled the shit out of MTV so it says once you've reached a certain level of stardom you can start to do things without really giving a fuck 
You can work on projects that aren't going to be a smash hit simply because, well, why not? You have complete creative freedom because you're not encumbered by the demands of your fans and your peers. There must be something incredibly liberating about that, I think. Then again, I can't really say as I've never found myself in that envious position. But on November 16, 1996, heavy metal band Metallica made a decision that showed how little they cared about the man and just how much they cared about being metal. That was the day that the band changed their performance at the MTV Europe Music Awards at the very last second, unbeknownst to the producers. The band was supposed to play their song King Nothing, but the MTV officials made the mistake of telling the quartet, telling the quartet that no expletives were allowed. Fuck that. Instead of King Nothing, Metallica whipped out two other tracks in their arsenal, the first being the cover of Last Caress, originally by the Misfits, and the second being So What, which comes from UK punk rockers anti Nowhere League. Both songs are packed to the brim with controversial lyrics and offensive material, so it's understandable that future airings of the award ceremony flat out cut Metallica's performance. In fact, no reference to the band was permitted. Say what you want about Metallica, but they've always kicked ass in my books. This is just another example of that. Now, what I did not know going into my research for this episode, and what makes this even better, is that MTV Europe followed Metallica around before the award show mm. and did a whole pre-ceremony Metallica special. <laughs> <laughs> so basically the gist of it is it might have even been titled this. I've seen it titled on YouTube as like Jason's video like diary? video diary. Yeah. Um, it's basically, but it's basically them interviewing all four members of the band separately um, from their hotel to their on their way to the award show, and like in the pre-show recording, it sh- like it has like Lars Ulrich in his car going from hotel to the venue, talking about how they're going to perform King Nothing that night, hyping up <laughs> the performance of King Nothing, saying like, "Yeah, we wanted to do one of like the heavier tracks on the record." Um, it shows, <laughs> uh, but then you can see like once you're at the venue, like things starting to go a little bit south. Um, James Hatfield is just shown backstage making fun of all the other bands. So there are like cardboard cards on a wall um, that basically it's the show outline. So it's like all like the acts that are performing, like in the order that they're performing of one of the, one of the cards says simply red. So being the Sharpie master that he is, James edits the card. So it says simply dreadful. (laughs) (laughs) He then is shown, him and Kirk are then shown in um, uh, a backstage hallway. And there's, I'm not sure who it was, but there's a girl group that is like practicing their dance for whatever performance that night. And James starts like singing like the lyrics to King Nothing and talking about how they're going to be like their backup dancers that night. And then when he's like, when he gets like to the Wish I May party, he's like, oh yeah, this is where they get down and grind. And like, he's just like going through like this fake choreography for the song. And then, um, so Jason's like doing like fake interviews with some of the people backstage and basically asked them, you know, if you could make up any award for that would be given out tonight, who would be the nominees and who would win? Um, and so they're just, he, for part of it, he's interviewing James and Kirk and they're all just like kind of messing around and being stupid and being silly and uh james says um i would give a no pyro award 
that we would win. (laughs) (laughs) So obviously they were told that information um, and it, and things started going south, Um, which is funny because they do show a clip of them at dress rehearsal and there is like fire and pyro on stage. So apparently it must've been like a plan. And then for some reason, I don't know if it was like a safety precaution or just logistical or whatever, it was scratched and which is why I think they were so probably pissed off and cause they yeah. were like, you know, I think it was like more of like a last minute thing. And then when you tell them to do something, you know, the stubborn rock star in them w- wants to do the complete opposite. So for all those reasons, I know that was long winded, but for all those reasons, that is why it's my number one, because it is by yeah. far the most punk rock metallica moment in uh award show history perhaps just in general too yeah i can say that it's like you know live tv i mean these kinds of concerts and things they're arranged way in advance of course you know things change on the day anything can go wrong right but you know it's pretty weird to have to set up like an entire pyro rig and then be told not to like you can't do it yeah Um, so why not play Last Caress and so what? You know? <laughs> Why not? And you can it, find it on YouTube. Is good publicity. And none of it's edited. Every single fuck, cunt, cock. Yep. Everything's there. Uh, kill your baby, rape your mother. Everything's there from both songs. Um, there is nothing at all edited. And uh, yeah, so apparently MTV Europe were none too pleased. But they even came back in 2003 to the EMAs. Yes. Well, I mean, the the fact of the matter is this. MTV, we're like, well, we can't just like not do anything with Metallica again. Yeah. <laughs> There's too many <laughs> ratings of money on the table there. So, yep. But those are my top three. I think that those were good top threes. I do want to say, I said before, there was one that I intentionally left off that would have easily made my top three. I just didn't include it uh, for a particular reason. That was the Golden God Awards. I didn't include it because that to me is like a mini concert. Like they played like three songs, like a 25 minute set. I was looking at just like one off, like traditional award show performances. Mm. Yeah. Same with the, the second, I mean the rock and roll hall of fame induction. It's like, yeah, pretty much a concert. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I've and I also kind of covered the Golden Gods when uh, Josh Bernstein was on an episode. So like I feel like I've we like I've covered that material. So I want to cover new material. And there's a lot of great stuff out there. It's all pretty much yeah. on YouTube. Some of it pops up right away. Some of it like the Until Sleep's performance you found you you also got to dig a little bit for. But it's all yeah. out there. They're all worth watching. It's I I I mean the only performance and I also wanted to touch this touch upon this this the only performance that's uh kind of infamous as far as metallica and a war show goes do you know what it is i do not the 1997 billboard awards where they do the unforgiven two mm. sort of an infamous uh version of it um they it, it's i i went back and rewatched it because uh, it I've only seen it maybe like once or twice before over the years. It it's not a bad performance, but it kind of gets um stamped as a bad performance primarily because 
when Kirk does that slide guitar at the beginning, it is incredibly out of tune. Uh, it is right. just it is just like nails on a chalkboard bad. Uh, but the rest of the performance is pretty solid. Like the the rest the the band sounds fine. They sound tight. Uh, it's cool seeing that sh- that song performed live because they really rarely ever have performed that song live. Yeah. Um, but I the story goes, and I I'm not sure if this is based off any um, actual quotes from the band, so maybe somebody out there can tell me. But the story I've heard is that that performance basically um, uh, they basically made them not want to perform that song live again. Because <laughs> right. wasn't it the debut of the song? I think it was the debut of the song. And now I'm interested to go on. Let me go on Metallica.com see how many yeah. times that song has been performed live here. Also, James is playing a Fender Telecaster. Yeah. On it. Yeah, yeah. Which very out of character. Very out of character. But yeah, that, it's really cool to see him on that uh, with that guitar. Yeah. And it, it, what, what another fun thing about that performance is that... Uh, they win an award, and instead of accepting giving a speech, it just goes right into the performance. Yeah, <laughs> which it, which I've, I'm like, they should do this for every award show. Like, you win, you just all right, perform. <laughs> exactly. <They laughs> who needs a speech? Suspense. Yeah, who needs a speech? Um, so let's see. The Unforgiven Two, according to Metallica.com, has been performed a total of six times. Mm. Six times. The first time ever was in, well, was at the Billboard Music Awards yeah. on December 8th, 1997. They were not performing live again until 2015. And that is the only year they've performed it, other than that one time in 1997. They performed it five times in 2015, uh, twice in Germany, one in Italy, one in Austria. And one in Quebec City, Quebec, Canada. So wow. only has six performances. They had a little like European Canadian stretch there. They did did it five shows between May and September, and that's it. I hope they found their way back into the song because it is a good song. It is a it, yeah. I I mean I think it's a great song. I there's um you know it's hard to. It's hard to really put it against the Unforgiven, which I which is just such yeah. a classic track. But I really like the Unforgiven too. I love the lyrics. I love the country twang to it. I love, um, you know, I, 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 maybe I'm, uh, maybe I'm in the minority here, but I think they do a good job of like taking something that should be kind of ridiculous and not work and. Hmm make it work yeah i think the song is it's not underrated to me but maybe it's like yeah talked about yeah i can see that i mean it was it was a really big hit for them off a really big record at least commercially um but yeah it's you know kind of i think in the grand scheme of all their singles you know it kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit Mm. especially compared to the first one and then the third one you know, I think with the recent uh, resurrection of it at SM two and stuff, like yeah. the Unforgiven two really has turned into like the bastard stepchild of the trilogy. <laughs> Funnily enough, yeah. 
Now, question for you: Will yes. they, they? They're doing an Unforgiven every other record, right? Yeah, they did sure. one, Black Album, then Reload, then Death Magnetic. So, do we get an Unforgiven four on the next studio record? Um, if they do, they could make it like this: What are you unforgiven for? Oh, we just this is writing itself. We might have to do a whole separate episode, Richard, where you and I write the Unforgiven Four. <laughs> yeah, bring it. <laughs> that can be a live stream. We'll just are how willing are you to be an alcoholic in the morning? I'm just thinking of time differences here. <laughs> there might need to be alcohol involved in this. I'm asking yeah. for a friend. I don't have any blackened, but sure. <laughs> just choose a Saturday where you have literally nothing to do except drink for like an hour after you wake up and then just like <laughs> go back to bed. Pass out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Well, Richard, guess yes. what? What? We did it. Yeah. And Grr. if we end right now, Richard, we're going to make it under 90 minutes. I was talking all this smack about how we <laughs> never go under 90 minutes, except for our, quote, mini episodes that go on for 45 minutes. But this this, this might be a first, unless you have a lot more to add. Uh, shout out to 2003 American Music Awards performance of St. Anger, but that's it. Ooh, also, uh, and I think one that gets lost in the shuffle because of the, the you know the elephant in the room, Saint Anger. Yes, <laughs> but it's a good performance of it, if I recall. For sure, yeah. Not as good as the performance of the unnamed feeling on New Year's <laughs> Rock and Eve, which is the probably the weirdest <laughs> televised performance of any song in the history of music <laughs> absolutely thank you to paris hilton for the intro to that song i like how you're doing your own like like you're doing your own thank yous like you just won an award <laughs> i think we should both do our own acceptance speech i want to thank metallica for um agreeing to do all these award shows so that all these years later richard and i could go back watch them for free on youtube um, illegally and um, <laughs> dissect them in great detail. Some might say too much detail. <laughs> yeah, I want to thank Al Gore for inventing the internet that's enabled <laughs> us to speak today. I want to thank YouTube for providing the platform. I want to thank VHS tapes for allowing people to tape the award shows and preserve them. Uh, I want to th also thank, lastly, but certainly not least, Twiggy from Manson's band for allowing me to puke in his bathroom and taking care of me after. Oh, dear. Laws, laws, laws. <laughs> that's, what, that's the energy I want to manifest for Lars. Uh, <laughs> him drumming in Oasis. I feel like that would be like a life dream for him. I, I mean, I really think... I want, I, want, I want two things to happen. Yeah. I... I want Metallica to like break up, but only for like six months. <laughs> and then in that six month span, I want Lars to play drums with uh, Noel Gallagher on an album. Yeah. Like a full album. Yeah. And I want James to do uh, in a, like a country Western outlaw record. Hell yeah. 
And then after like six months, they can get back together. Yeah. But I just want those two albums written and completed in six months. I don't think that's too much to ask for. Yeah. Give us a a solo Rob record as as well. Well, let's get some like, I want like a full out Rob Jacko Pastoria style record. Like let's get amazing bass solos. Let's get like some killer horns on there. Some great like jazz and funk players. Kirk. Um, do do I, your horror projects, man. Yes, I was gonna say I want like that classical horror soundtrack album from him. Look, at, we just gave them something to do for six months while they're not even a band. I mean, oh, let's yeah. make this happen, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and then after those six months, you reunite. You get to have a reunion tour, which I will spend hundreds of dollars on to yep. see, even though it's only been six months, and I will. And you get to release like your comeback record, which is going to be called The Unforgiven Six. Thank you. Because by then we'll have the four and five. We're going to write four for them. They're going to take care of five on their own. I think five is going to appear on James's uh, Outlaw record. That'll be like a offbeat like solo recording, you know. But then they'll yeah. come back for six. And it's going to be called The Unforgiven Six, Six, Six. Whoa. Thank you. Thank you. Thank and you. by that time, Miley Cyrus will be fronting them because her Metallica cover <laughs> album will be out. So. Yes. yes. Still, still 50-50, that comes out or doesn't. It'll become the best-selling Metallica album ever, even beating the Black Album. <laughs> yeah. Now, question for you. If yes. this album ever comes to fruition and ever gets released, do you think any members of Metallica appear on the album? Mm, Lars, I can see. I can see... Lars, Kirk, or Rob. Yeah. For Lars, I can see more enthusiasm for. Yeah. For the others, it's more like if they got asked, maybe they would. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and James would just like, say, now I feel like. The the thing is, like, it depends if Miley's doing, like, a true reinterpretation or not. Because she often doesn't. She often just yeah. sings a song straight. So right. there's kind of no point in getting James to sing on a song that just sounds like Metallica with with you know half the vocals by someone else. You know? Now there was news about a Nothing Else Matters recording out there with like Elton John on piano. Yeah. And like a, I forget who else, yeah, but no. a couple else. Maybe Chad Smith. Maybe I'm making yeah. that up. Um, yeah, I think he's involved with her producer. So, so it looks like it looks like I mean recordings are happening. To me, it would be weird to have like that a recording of Nothing Else Matters sung by Miley Cyrus with Elton John as piano, and at least never hear that yeah. song in a public setting. Sure. So maybe we at least get a, a a song or two. I'm interested to hear it. I know that might be a controversial opinion. I, I'm intrigued to hear it. I think Miley Cyrus is, I'm not a fan of hers, but I think she's a phenomenal singer, and mm. I think she is a legit fan, and she's going to have great people playing on the record and working on the album with her. And, I, and it, at the very least, I think it's going to be... Uh, uh, a fun album to listen to once at the very least. Sure. It'll be a fun, uh, it'll be a fun little press cycle for that as well. Yeah. And yeah. Miley Cyrus can come on Metallicast. Yeah. Anytime to talk about it. Yeah. Open invitation, uh, to come on here and talk to me. Um, Richard, you're not invited to that episode. I know, uh, <laughs> I know you're disdain for pop music. Um, so, uh, I, I won't have you on here to sully the reputation of Metallicast. Or Miley Cyrus. Or Miley Cyrus. Miley Cast. Miley Cast. 
Richard, this is not going well for ending under 90 minutes at this point. <laughs> oh, no, we're at 122.46. We can still shoot the shit for uh, three, uh, seven minutes. True that, true that. Listen, I'm in no rush. I'm in no rush. I'm just making an observation here. <laughs> I was going to ask you something, but it, it seems to have slipped my mind. Have you heard any good records this year? That's a question for you. Ooh, that is a good 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 question i'm trying to think now this here's my problem in my current stage of life there are a lot of good albums mm. and i only feel like i really get the opportunity to like listen to them a couple times yeah. <laughs> before like the next album comes out because i only have so much time these days to like really listen and digest this one album mm. i really Doug, um, that was a fun record. Was uh, and God help me if I'm mispronouncing this band, Iotun, I O T U N A. I know them, yeah. Um, they just released their first full length on Metal Blade Records called Access All Worlds, and that was a really cool record. Um, very progressive, um, vocally, uh, like a mix of black metal and power metal. So there's like these epic soaring clean vocals mixed with like this raspy death growl um musically just like kind of straight up metal but with very subtle technical aspects to the playing and Mm. complex time signatures um it was a really cool listen Uh, it's a lengthy listen some of the songs clock in at like you know just shy of 10 minutes or just over 10 minutes but a really good listen to that i would highly recommend to all the metalheads out there um trying to think what else what else yeah uh non-metal i've i've dug uh the album carnage by nick cave and warren ellis who's like his it's like his warren ellis is like his frequent collaborator he's one of the members of the bad seeds he's the guy who like he collaborates with all the uh all of his film scores on he's like kind of his main yeah. um co-writer these days i um, mean they came out with a surprise album that is uh an interesting listen but it's definitely uh not for everybody out there especially if uh you're you're uh, a metalhead probably not your cup of tea uh Maybe. but if you're if you want to if you're familiar with nick cave and you like some of his work i would recommend checking that out and then just a really random random uh release that i did not expect or expect to enjoy was uh, i'm a big protest the hero fan mm. but the lead singer roadie walker oh, released like a three song ep and he came out there i'm like i don't know if i really at all care about like a solo thing from the lead singer protest the hero Even though i'm a big fan i'm like i just don't know if i care but i listened to it on my way to work and i was like these three songs are just really fun. And if you're into, it's kind of like just a metallicized version of like pop punk. And the subject matter is, you know, why he loves Taylor Swift, why he loves Stephen King and how he misses playing on the warp tour. So (laughs) it's just, those are three kind of diverse records that are out there that I've enjoyed so far in 2021. Sweet. Yeah. What I've heard of the Iotan is pretty cool. Like it, they remind me of the band winter sun who yeah. were like, I think the Swedish Melodef power prog thing who were like a cult band. Um, I will give a shout out to a very strange 1982 album 
It's called Warning by the band Warning. I think it was two guys and um, the album cover, it looks like two Darth Vaders wearing like the Never Say Die mask by Black Sabbath yeah. going down like an elevator or something. Um, so it's this German, it's a cross between like doom metal and disco or something. So you got slow. You have my attention. (laughs) You got chugs, you got synths, you got organs. The vocalist is either like grunting or he's going like, (laughs) which is incredible. Um, halfway through the album with no warning, it just busts out an epic saxophone solo. Amazing. Um, it has a very like Daft Punk energy or something, but for 1982, yeah. it's just wild. Like it's on YouTube. So, <laughs> all right, that th- you have my attention with that one. I will check it out. It's truly strange. Any other albums that have struck your fancy so far in 2021? Ooh, no, no new ones. I think. Yeah. Have I been? Have I discovered any new metal albums that is... I feel like 2020, there was so much stuff. And this year so far has been a little bit on the slow side. Yeah. I've I've had a lot to write about in the world. But otherwise, yeah, yeah, I haven't even been keeping track. Let me pull up my, my metal listening by date. I'm sure this is very compelling podcasting um people love it when you pull up playlists i've (laughs) my my downloads go through the roof whenever that happens (laughs) i um that's why we edit i did make a 38 hour playlist of like songs from my childhood of course you did yeah amazing i think i saw you tweet about this was this like the the 90s playlist yeah it's um specifically songs i heard as a child from 1996 to 2002 like a quite strict range yeah um, but it's just like a nostalgia bomb. It's just like too many endorphins in one place. <laughs> like you got all your Backstreet Boys and Britney, but also some weird obscurities. Um, yeah. And just, it's overstimulating. I can't take too much. I considered putting like Fuel by Metallica on it, but that's almost like too cool and too like adult for this playlist. <laughs> I actually was intrigued to check out that pod, uh, that podcast, that playlist when I saw the tweaks. I was like, this is going to be so so richard se that uh i might just have to do it because i'm like i know it's gonna probably have everything from like it could have everything from like christina aguilera to yep. like sepultura to some like random like finnish composer that i've never heard of <laughs> yes unrelated to metallica but how, yes. how do we bring this back to our subject at hand so, um, uh, well, the award shows Metallica performed that were also very diverse and primarily in the 90s and early yes. 2000s. Yeah. And yeah. your playlist is actually a representation of a lot of these award shows without you knowing it. Yes. Like James giving the Backstreet Boys an award. At the yes. Or being awards. nominated for Best Stage Spectacle against Britney Spears and Sync. Yes. A true... Uh, well, not quite a changing of the guard because Metallica won that award. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Metallica is still dominating pretty much every award category. But An attempt to pass the baton, but they took it back. Yeah. Uh, that has happened several times in their career, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Like they were kind of like passing the baton to Event Sevenfold at one point, And then they're oh, like, yeah. you're like, you know what? 
we still play Sabatru better. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, that's another episode as well. <laughs> we should do a live stream where we just listen to that event sevenfold record yeah. and we try to name all the artists and songs that they borrow from. Mm. Basically just study up on like the black album, yeah. uh vulgar display of power and like Use your illusion one and two. Yeah. Oh, dear. All right, Richard. Mm. Thank you for joining me yet again. Tell everybody where they can find you. I went on the interwebs at rsh underscore elle. Maybe you'll enjoy my my playlist called Primary School Nostalgia Bomb, nineteen ninety six to two thousand two. Maybe you won't. (laughs) Maybe you'll enjoy the (laughs) Warning album. Maybe you won't, but either way, tweet me. You we'll you see. might enjoy anything we've suggested for you, or you might hate all of yep. it. Yep. Um, but you know what? If you hate all of it, we hate you. On that note, <laughs> no, that's not true. I got something to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, Richard. Peace. Peace. So fucking what? <laughs> Thank you to Richard for coming back on Metallicast. It is always a pleasure and a treat to have Richard S.E. on an episode and to have him two weeks in a row. Wow, that is really gosh darn special. If you liked what you heard and you're new to the podcast, please make sure that you download, subscribe, and leave a positive five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Follow Richard and I on social media. You can find Richard at RSH underscore L-E-L-L-E. Click on the link in the episode description to give him a follow. And I am at Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, build up your ass. Yeah! Fans not experts.